0: Show you a better way. You
1: don't have
0: to be another face in the crowd. You don't Hi have folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't, coming to you today with episode 581 of the Survival Podcast. It is a Thursday, January 6, 2011. We have a great show today. Marjorie Wildcraft of BackyardFoodProduction.com is back on the air. She was with us about three weeks ago talking about growing stuff in your backyard, permaculture, feeding yourself from your backyard, raising rabbits, being self-sufficient, being self-reliant, all that good stuff. Well, she's back today, and today we're going to talk about building community. So, On some levels, you would look at this as being the the antithesis of being self-reliant and independent. The reality is it actually enables self-reliance. It enables independence by making the community or the local group uh, much more independent and self-reliant than it could ever be uh, with the individuals. In other words, the sum is more than the total of its parts. Before we bring her on, though, and I've got her waiting to bring on here in just a few moments, let's go ahead and take care of our housekeeping. Housekeeping item one, let's take care of our sponsors. They do an awful lot to help take care of you. Sponsor of the day number one today, Common Sense Prep. Common Sense Prep gives you what it promises. Common Sense items for all the things you need to do to be prepared for whatever may come your way. From the mundane to the insane, check out Common Sense Prep. Remember, if you are part of the Member Support Brigade, uh, you get a 15% discount on all their and Press books and DVDs. And those are some of the greatest informational resources I can possibly recommend to you. Check out the back office of your MSB account. Uh, You look for Common Sense Prep, click on it, and you'll get a special link. Not a discount code for them, but a special link to order. Please keep that link private. It's for MSB only. Uh, Next up today, Emergency Essentials, one of the biggest names in preparedness and for a reason. Because if you need to store food, I guarantee you whatever you're looking to store, they have. Uh, Emergency Essentials is just an awesome company. I love get their catalog. It comes a few times a year. I always look forward to seeing it, paging through it, seeing, hey, what can I add to my preps? So while you're at their website, if you're not buying something today, that's fine. Make sure you request their catalog. Get on their mailing list because the catalog, you know, for preppers, it's like when you were a kid and Sears would send out the Sears catalog around Christmas time. They called it the wish book or the dream book or something like that, and you'd go through all the toys you wanted. For preppers, that's what Emergency Essentials catalogs like. Not quite as big as that old Sears catalog, but it's chock full of the things that we would like to make part of our food storage. I also wanted to remind you today that we do have a forum, a place where you can connect with about 6,000 other preppers. That's a great way to start with online community, and that goes very well with today's show. Please check out the Survival Podcast forum. It is worse for you not being there. Uh, every person in this audience should at least consider going by getting an account and connecting with one or two people once in a while and perusing the forum. Be a lurker. It's okay, but get involved. There's a ton of information and a ton of people waiting to connect with you there. Last but not least, consider joining the MSB. Do that. You get exclusive content available only to members. Uh, you get discounts from a, a lot of vendors, about 20 of them, uh, for the stuff that you're buying for your prepping anyway. Uh, you can save way more than the uh, cost of $50 a year. That comes out to less than $0.20 cents an episode. And uh, with that, I want to go ahead and introduce our special guest today. Well, folks, as I said during the intro segment, we do have uh, Marjorie Wildcraft from Backyard Food Production here with us. Uh, we had her on about three weeks ago talking about kind of all aspects of, of, of feeding yourself out of your backyard, and we got into a side conversation at that point talking about building community, and after the uh, interview, I, I talked to her offline, and we decided to bring her back on to talk about building local communities for preparedness and for the, for our future in general with all the problems that we have to do, and she was kind enough to come back. Uh, Marjorie, thanks for uh, coming back on the Survival Podcast once again so soon.
1: Thanks, thanks for having me on. I'm real excited. Um, building community is is a personal passion for me, so I'm glad to be able to talk about it, and it's actually one of the biggest and, and more, a very important part of preparing and, and just for enhancing your life in general.
0: Well, cool. Um, just in case people didn't catch that last interview without making a, a big, long story about it, can you give kind of the basic, you know, who you are, what you do, and, and, and how you're doing this now because you weren't always – living on a, a farm in South Texas and uh, feeding yourself with uh, with rabbits in a garden and chickens and geese, uh, you had another type of life that you left. You just briefly let folks know, you know, how you ended up where you're at, why you made that choice, and, and then we'll get into the discussion on community.
1: Yeah, Sure. You know, I didn't. I didn't have any agricultural background at all. Actually, I I, I had originally been an engineer and took the savings from that um, and started a real estate investment company with my husband. And we weren't very big, but we were doing fairly well buying houses and then turning around and, and selling them on lease options. Um, and when that business had gotten a little bit successful, we realized that it was going to be completely undermined by the collapse of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. We happened to Inquisitive, be inquisitive enough and lucky enough to, to realize what their business model was and that it wasn't viable, and that when they went down, our whole business would go down. So we, and also at about that time, we became aware of 9/11 and whatever the truth of that is, we don't know. But we, we became aware the official story isn't true, um, and peak oil and a whole lot of the other potentials for calamity, that, and it, it hit us all at once, and we, I totally panicked. My husband, thank God, is a little bit more stable than I am. But we uh, we liquidated the whole real estate business, um, found a place out in a a small rural community, and bought some land. And said, "What is the most important thing to do?" And for us, it was you know make sure you've got water, make sure you've got food, um, you know. And after we started getting some of those systems in place, we started looking at, at building a house. And actually, right very early on, it, it just becomes glaringly obvious to you when you're when you're out there alone in your garden that community is vital, and uh, and that's where this talk leads into. Um, we at that time we had done everything you can possibly do in terms of training or what's available: permaculture courses, homesteading courses, all kinds of gardening workshops, and and just trying to figure out what are the most critical things to growing food. How much space do you need? How much water do you need? Um, and 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 what are the most resilient crops and animals? And and what would be the best systems? And we did a whole lot of experimentation, a whole lot of failures. Uh, but after a while, we actually were getting successful at it. Started teaching workshops, and um, then eventually made the DVD, which is called Food Production Systems for a Backyard or Small Farm. And um, you know now we're just continuing on with our research and figuring and optimizing what are the best Ways to grow food and how to live sustainably, overall, um, and that's that's been our journey. And that's but the the community part has has been essential, and that's why I'm so excited to be talking about it today.
0: Well, great. Let's let's get into that. And what I what I kind of wanted to uh, to point out for folks and ask you to give you kind of a leaping off board here with that is. Hey, we, you know, obviously the the audience is full of people from the survivalist community. Many of them are even still in suburbia, but a lot of them would like to get out. Uh, many of us want to live out on homesteads, and we want to be as self reliant, independent as possible. And uh, I've even taken some chastisement from my own audience because they feel like I'm too public with who I am and, and my reasoning is I was well known in business for 15 years before I did this and hiding now, especially where I live for, for the time being is all but impossible anyway. Um, but you're not really talking about being public per se, but reaching out into the surrounding local community. And if some, a lot of people would look at your DVD and say, well, they've got chickens and they've got geese and they've got you know, they've got rabbits, and they've got this huge garden, and they're building this orchard. And, my God, they have so much of what they need right there. Why then, after all of this effort to be independent, say, okay, now we're going to become uh, involved with and hooked to and relying on other people? And, as you know, I, I completely understand why, but I want to frame it for people, and I want them to understand the limitations, and if you could talk about that for a bit.
1: I, I, so that's a great topic to start out right first, and that's your own Security and uh, as we go through the, this the, the hour and talking about building community, I will continually be talking about the balancing act of you know being out there and meeting people or networking or connecting and yet maintaining your privacy and maintaining your you know your security and and that's a very valid concern I feel um, and, uh, and and as we go through the different suggestions and things I have to help people uh, that's very much been a concern for us and I'll, I'll bring that up and address it. The second thing is, yeah, we do have a lot going on, but let me give you a specific example of why community is good. So we have yeah, you're right, we got some chickens and rabbits and geese and, and fruits and, and vegetables and, um, and at one and we also like to focus we like my husband is really good with cattle, and we had some miniature cattle for a while. Um, and so we had beef and and potentially cow's milk. Um, we have just one neighbor. Right when we kind of got started into this, we found this one guy who was also into the whole living off the land thing. And he had, of course, you know, the vegetable garden and some fruits and chickens and a few things like that. But he also had, he was really into goats and bees. And so just by this one relationship of us starting to trade with each other, all of a sudden I now expanded my culinary horizons into, um, you know, goat milk, goat cheese, uh, you know, uh, cabrito, as well as honey. So, and then, you know, he now had rabbit and and beef and, and some of the more exotic fruits that we grow that he didn't have. So, right away, both of our standards of living increased tremendously. And and also, there's a, there's a ton of stuff you just learn from other people. You know, hey, my goodness, you're growing that there. Why are you growing that there? Well, that works real well like that for me. Or, you know gosh I got an extra rooster do you need a rooster for your flock or you know my rooster just died and I need another one or you know especially if you're breeding rabbits you know wanting to change up the genetics uh, on almost any herd or flock or any livestock it's really great to have some other people in the community doing similar things so that you can you know you can you can work with the genetics with with what other people have. Seed saving is a whole nother huge issue you know um there's, there's, you can do a lot in your own garden, but there's a lot of plants that really need to be separated by long distances, or, or in some other fashion. And, and having a couple of different people growing different things in the community helps ensure your whole, uh, or as not only because of the diversity you can get, but also because of the redundancy. You know, if my tomato crop totally fails, well, you know, I can, I can negotiate some with Mary, and, 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 and also maybe get some of her seed stock so that next year I have seeds for it. So the Having a community around you of, of like-minded people who are doing similar things is, is unbelievably valuable. Just on the most pragmatic, feeding yourself and taking care of your your farm level. Um, there's a, there's a lot of other reasons for community. And in fact, a long time ago, the whole concept of insurance comes from you used to have a lot of good relationships with your neighbors, and when your house burned down. People came to help you rebuild it. They came and brought you clothes or they came and brought you some food. They came and helped you. That was what insurance was because you had done the same thing for them last year and the year before you'd helped somebody else do something and there's this, this ongoing network of relationships and that has been completely undermined in our society by, you know, large multinational corporations and insurance. Um, also, social security for you know for the program that it is, it's completely undermined the generational relationships. So you know, a lot of us now are looking at taking care of our older parents. But in the beginning, we all thought, well, they'll just be on social security and they'll be fine. We don't have to worry about them, you know.
0: Especially because, especially because we were sitting there going, well, hell, that's what we're going to do, right? Because we believed in that 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 fallacy too. I mean, of course, Nana and Granddad are going to be okay on social security, and they better be. Because, at the time we were thinking that's what I'm going to do, and uh, I think most of us have figured out that that ain't going to happen.
1: No, it, it's not. And i but the model was, you know, put your kids in the state school, let the state take care of them and raise them up, and then, you know, when those kids raised up, well, gram you know, we'll put Grammy and Pops in. in They're on Social Security or maybe in a home, and that's, you know, the, so that has totally undermined the deep generational relationships and community that that used to be just within a family and and but those things can be you know that's that can be regained um uh for example, we've got an elder gentleman who's one of our closest neighbors, and i you know my kids think of him as a grandpa and uh and you know we're looking at at well you know we're probably going to need to take care of him like like one of our our parents you know and um and 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 fully happy to do that because he he offers a lot he and he's, he knows a lot about living off the land and he's he comes from a from a background that that offers that value. But the idea of community is, is a its its it, you know, I think we have been so stripped of what it is that it's almost an alien thing to us. We don't even think about, like, oh, my gosh, you know, you could really rely on other people to come help you, you know, instead of <laughs> you 911.
0: Know? Absolutely. And, you know, on, on the security issue, I, I like to tell a funny story real quick. I had Ron Hood on, and, of course, he's a very well-known survival trainer, and he said when he moved to a place uh, the last time he moved, he kind of made a big mistake because he let one of his neighbors see how much stuff he had for food storage and all. And the guy made a stupid comment, which is, well, I guess if there's nothing to eat, I know who to come kill, um, which is really an ignorant thing. And I think the guy kind of meant it as a joke, but uh, I found Ron's response to him kind of humorous, which was, too bad, man. If you were hungry, I'd have fed you. Now I'm going to have to shoot you. And I think that we need to have a little bit more of a of a sharing attitude out there because, I mean, I think your whole message today is you can't really make it alone. Uh, or if you do, there's not a lot of quality of life in it.
1: No, there's not. And especially I've got two young kids. And, you know, when you get into having kids and you, you really start getting involved in a community then and you start realizing, well, one they they need play dates, and they need interaction and they need social stuff going on but then ultimately who are they going to marry you know there's the whole there's their whole cycle of life so, yeah
0: the marrying your sister thing is not really a good idea <laughs> or your cousin <laughs> they, <laughs> Didn't
1: they try that in the Appalachians <laughs>
0: it, it, it result i think slack jaw buckethead is what it results in but uh, you're right i mean the kids need somebody to get along with and i think we as human beings We're social creatures as well. And, I mean, I'd like you maybe to comment on this. What I have to say is I've done what I can to create community here in suburbia. Uh, I know all of my neighbors on my little cul-de-sac. There's about eight of us, at least on a first-name basis. And we all talk. We all say hello. But getting anything done like you're talking about is almost impossible. Then I have my bug-out location, soon to be my full-time home. There's about seven people on a road that's about a mile long. Uh, Big difference in, in being spaced out. Um, those seven families collectively own about 300 acres and then we have kind of like a 100 acre buffer zone that will never be sold behind us. It's like community property. And, and I get up there once a month, once every other month, and I know all seven of those families better than I know the seven families that I live and breathe with every day here because they, even though they've gotten out there to get away when it comes to community, local community, to me, I found them to be so much more receptive. Have you noticed that as you've moved out into kind of a, a more remote area as well?
1: We have. It, it got a little hard to get it started because a lot of times you move out and you just don't know anybody, and it's a little bit hard to get broken into the circles or creating the circles. But once you get it going, we have a much more active social life out here in a rural community than we did in, in town We when we lived in Austin. It's amazing. And, um, you know, and, and it'll, it's not all necessarily survival or preparedness related. It's just, you know, one – one woman in her living room has yoga classes once a week, and another woman um, has um, belly dancing and a dancing thing that, that the women gather for once a week and, and do that. And another guy is really passionate about uh, Tai Chi and Kung Fu, and he, he has that on Saturday mornings out at his place. So, you know, it's not like, um, yeah, it, there's, it's incredible how much is going on locally. And And if you drove through here, you wouldn't see anything. It's really interesting. You, know, you just see a bunch of barbed wire fences and a couple of houses, and you wouldn't have any idea of the of the richness of the relationships and vitality of of, of interaction and what's going on in a rural area. I, we did. We found it was was actually once we got going into it, um, it, it was a lot more vibrant. And that actually, when you move into a rural area, which I'm guessing a lot of people are probably in that process now, I have some real good suggestions for how to how to start creating that. When we moved here and we realized community was so vital, we, we realized there were kind of three categories of people that we wanted to work with, and one was finding the existing people who were already doing it, and as you're well aware, people like that tend to want to keep a low profile, you know. It's not like you want to go broadcasting that you have a whole bunch of food and you know how to grow and all that, you know. Uh, the, the second thing was, you know, there are people out here that moved out here and that was their dream, um, and they haven't quite gotten all the skills together, but through some sort of education, we we could meet them. And then the third thing was we actually actively sought to have people move out to the community that were interested in preparing um, and and moving into this type of lifestyle. That gets a little bit more trickier because then you're starting to expose the community a little bit. But we 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 targeted these three groups. And the way we the way we began to do it was we started out in, in our community. There's a little community center, and um, they have a room that could ha- house about a hundred people. Um, if that weren't available, the local elementary school has a cafeteria that can be used on occasion, or one of the two churches has you know a, a mess hall type area that you could either you know rent really cheaply or get to use so there's lots of public places that you can set something like this up and the thing is 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 start um, showing something that or have a movie or a speaker or a workshop on a topic related to uh, preparedness or or you know living off the land so one of our first things to do was a movie, because that's kind of safe. You don't have to worry about whether you've got a good speaker or not. You know, find a good movie. And we had, I think it was the Global Gardener, which is a series that with, um, oh, my God, Bill Mollison put together with the whole permaculture thing. And it's a really nice uplifting film about about living off the land. And we put out flyers all around the community. And then almost every community has some sort of little local rag, you know, some little newspaper the Thrifty Nickel, or something like that, that you can advertise in, and say, "Hey, you know, we're going to have a movie night; it's free." Um, and we managed to rent a projector from the, uh, actually, the public library gave it to us for free. Um, and and so we had a projector set up, and we set this up, and and we started doing this on a regular basis. Um, and 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 if there is an email list in the community, which may or may not be, if you're in a more urban area, then Craigslist might be appropriate. We didn't have anything at that time. Um, you know, just get the word out that this is available um, and and start offering these things. And people that are interested in that will come. And those are the people that you want to meet and network with. And bring put it on topics that you're interested in and need to learn about, too.
0: So what I'm hearing you say, then, is instead of saying, hey, we're looking for people to form a community with, you put out the information that would attract the type of people you would want community with, You let them arrive, and then you let kind of nature take its course from there. You get two people together, they're either going to get along or they're not. And if they do and they have common interests, odds are they're going to want to spend time together in the future. And then that community forms naturally. And I think a a big thing, and this is great. I'm glad you brought this up. I think a lot of people out there that have been asking me about how to get these communities going, their problem is they're trying to find people with the intention of community, and they're advertising that. Well, what you're saying is if you wanted to get a preparedness community, start doing preparedness workshops. Well, people concerned with preparedness are going to show up. If you want a community around agriculture, start doing agricultural workshops. And, and you know, if you want to catch a fox, bury a rabbit under a conibear trap. I mean, <laughs> put, put, put out what, what you're looking for is interested in. And uh, that way they, people don't feel kind of like, well, I don't know if I really want to get involved with this. Heck, I'm just going to see a movie. By some guy that grows stuff. That sounds interesting. I'll take the kids, right?
1: And the other thing is you're doing it at some public venue, so you're not exposing your farm or your family. You're doing it at a public venue, and you can go ahead and advertise that everywhere, you know, 114 Community Center Road or whatever it is, wherever it is. Because
0: everybody knows where the school
1: library or the you know, the town center,
0: I mean, they already know where that is anyway. You're not giving away nothing yeah. there.
1: Yeah. And there's a lot of really good information that's available for free. I mean, almost every speaker we had was more than willing to come for free. And some of it was like we had the volunteer fire department come and talk for uh, – gave a, a fabulous three-hour workshop on wildfire preparedness. You know, what are simple things that you can do around your farm or homestead to prepare for wildfire, which which here in Texas is a, is a big concern we get into these severe droughts and then, you know, just the slightest bit of wind and a spark and, and you're, you know – so that was a real valuable skill. Um, some other topics that we had were um, um, home orchards. We we managed to find a guy who was pretty experienced in growing fruit trees in our area and had him come talk for two hours on what he grew and how he grew it. And um, we actually had a whole nother thing where we had somebody, um, we, we got permission to be able to plant some trees out there and we had a tree planting demonstration on how to plant fruit trees. Uh, we had all sorts of movies related to... Uh, peak oil or, or um, you know, uh, gardening or, you know, we actually also had a, we've had some skills things like first aid, uh, workshops. Um we've also had like a three day medical corps workshop with Chuck Fenwick, which was fabulous where we were, you know, cutting open chicken legs and suturing them back up and that kind of thing. There's, there's, you know, it's, it's, and you'll be surprised. When, and, and if you've gone to listen, I mean, I was out there actively going to learn things, and I was listening to these people, and I'd find a really good speaker. I found this one guy who had this amazing talk on weather, and I said, hey, could, would you be interested in coming to our community and, and, and talking about it? And he said, sure, you know. Um, uh, so we brought him out. A couple of tips on that is, one, you're really wanting to encourage networking. So... Um, Make sure there's some kind of food or snack available, and let them know right at the beginning that there's going to be food and snack and networking at the end. And you want to have that so that there's something to nibble on and something to talk about. And you know, something you know, people like standing around with a cup in their hand. It it, it, it helps to add to the social ambiance. You know, it
0: is it is a social it's a social crutch, isn't it? If you put people together, kind of standing around with nothing in their hand, they're kind of offish. But if you start getting people to community together with food and drink, it opens up kind of that that wall that people put around it. I think eating and drinking together is such you know that's the reason they say let's well, break bread together. It's such a, a an intimate, really social thing. It, it's kind of a lubricant, uh, and unlike alcohol, probably doesn't lead to uh, to bad things if you stick to some you know uh, hot dogs or hors d'oeuvres or whatever.
1: You know, in the beginning we did, we sponsored it all, but it really wasn't much. It was a couple of bags of, of, of chips and some dip and, you know, a cooler full of water with some paper cups and if we got around to it we'd make a bunch of iced tea in some cups. So it was something and we, and it was just something that would be there to give people a reason to stay afterwards to talk and meet each other. The other thing we did, and we did it because we had small children, was we let people know That we would, that there would be children there and it wouldn't exactly be like supervised, but that, you know, there was going to be an area outside a play area for the kids and there would be an adult or two watching them. And, and a lot of times, you know, parents after a while we worked it out where, you know, somebody would always agree to watch the kids or there would be a couple. And sometimes actually it was more fun to be out with the kids and hanging out with the parents hanging out with the kids in the parking lot than it was to actually be at the talk. But, um, we always made it so that way families could come because a lot of times, uh, you know, uh, people who are interested in this, are, you know, they've got a couple of kids and and it's hard to you know have one spouse go away for just for that in the evening. And if you make it a whole family event, then you know you and I'm assuming mostly you're, those are the kind of people that are, are are you want in this community. You want a community that has a broad diversity of ages and ranges. So those were two tips. One, make sure there's always some food, and we always tried to to make sure that there was. Um, some outlet for the kids, and if you can't pull that off, don't don't worry about it. But it's a really nice city. Another thing that we did not do, but people that I know that like, there's a bioregional group that's been meeting up in Texas, North Texas, for like 30 years, and this wonderful, wonderful older older couple that's running it, and they said one of the key things that they found was to try and always have it at the same time. So the first Saturday of every month, or you know whatever whatever day you pick out, try to always have it that way because people. Can start plan. You know, if they they may not know what the topics are, but they know. Oh wow, there's going to always be these really interesting talks going on at the first Saturday of every the month. They can start adjusting their schedule and their lifestyle. We didn't do that because my, la- my life was too chaotic <laughs> at the time. And I, but um, uh, you know, these other groups that have been far more successful have have pointed that out as a as a good thing. the The other thing is is especially in the beginning times, you really want to make sure you've got somebody good that's talking. If you have a bad speaker, you can really Lose some folks right away, so that's why I'm, I'm strongly recommending you know a good movie that you know about that's related to um, preparedness. You know, um, I just got done watching. John Jevons has a bio-intensive gardening DVD out now, um, and it's really well done. Um, and you know, it's an it's you know that might be a good flick. You know, are you interested in bio-intensive gardening? Use that title of How to Grow More Vegetables Than You Ever Thought Possible in Less Land Than You Ever Imagined. I mean, that right there is the whole title of what you're going to do. And we're meeting Saturday night, uh, you know, January 21st at 7 p.m. at the Baptist Church. Actually, to be honest with you, we tried not to use the church just because we're not, not you know, we're not denominational, we're, we're not really involved in, in religious groups. So we always tried to use the community center. Um, you know, and that's not necessarily a big factor. But I, I know, you know, there's...
0: Certainly for people some people it would be more comfortable because there is a... Uh, a certain sub community within a religious organization, and you can you can sort exactly. of avoid that by staying in a more, like you said, non denominational way. Um, but the the movie stuff's great. Well, you're making me think of there's a marketer in my head. Well, that guy already went out, sold that book, figured out the best title for it, got a hook put together. So you're just using his hook. You know, you're like, yeah, this is a great. You know, why reinvent the wheel, so to speak? And um, The one you mentioned earlier, that Global Gardener series, I just did a permaculture podcast two days ago, and I linked to every one of those on Google Video, and I definitely would get the DVD for what you're talking about, but folks, that one is, there's four different subsets of it. It's tropics, um, dry land, uh, cold climates, and urban, and and that is, is old as it is to me, is one of the, the most awesome uh, series of videos I've ever seen, and it would be great for what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, and it's, it's a great way to get started, and then you'll, you'll be surprised after, you know, even in the first one, you'll meet people that you want to connect up with, and for us, it's partly how we found other kids for our kids to play with. Was you know, in um, fact, one gentleman called me up and said, "My wife told me to call you up because we heard you have a girl that's seven years old, and our girl's seven and she needs a playmate when she's out here." And so they were weekenders, which we call them. Um, but it was fabulous. I mean, they were into gardening and doing the whole thing and And also, doing it this way, you really you, you make really effective use of your time you You want to try and accomplish two or three things every time you're doing something and if you're watching a video that's about gardening, which is something that you need to learn about and know about anyway, and you're doing it and you're networking and you're meeting with people. so I always had the things that I put on were things I wanted to learn about. Uh, one time, we totally lucked into this guy who knew all about alternative currencies, and he was willing to come out to our community and did this amazing history of money and talked about silver and, and gold, and, and um, it was fabulous. I mean, I learned a tremendous amount, and that, that was part of the reason we put it on.
0: And then the community advantage to me, Marjorie, is... If I watch something like Global Gardener or stuff with Seth Holzer in in Austria or anything like that, I'm going to gain a lot of knowledge from it if I just sit here and watch it on my computer or on my TV. But if you and I and other people like us all sit together and watch that and we discuss it after the fact, you know, no matter what you watch, there's always going to be challenges. Bill Mollison is going to show you how to make a banana circle. Well, we're not going to grow a lot, you or me are not going to grow a lot of bananas. But we can take the technique and we can adapt it to our area. And our two minds, or three minds, or four minds together in discussion. Well, I tried this, and maybe if we added that to it, collectively we're going to c- come up with better solutions than any of us could do individually.
1: Yeah, you know, there may be people that said, "Oh, hey, I tried that. You know, that works. It's going on at my place right now." Or you know, you know, ah, oh, I've seen that didn't. You know, you get. Yeah, you're right. Collectively, you get a lot of a lot of input and feedback on on what works and what doesn't in your, your local area. Now, as you get going, you're going to start getting a core group of people that you're seeing over and over again um, and, and, in time. And eventually what started to happen in our area, one one of the other things that we found that really bonds people together is working together. And this is when you've kind of got a higher level of trust with each other. You know, there's a core group of families here that we all know each other's places, and we may not know all of our the details of all of our preps but we all have worked in each other's gardens and helped out but work parties are are um a really uh wonderful thing and people like to be useful i mean anybody who's moving into this lifestyle really wants to work and we're not really wanting to sit around a whole lot all the time um that was that has been one little side thing i've noticed about though like a couple of our initial work parties were focused on building it was very interesting. All the men kind of got going. You know, they got their tools out there, and they were cutting the two-by-fours and slapping that stuff up. And the women didn't really have a whole lot to do. And, you know, we'd, we'd prepared the food, and some of us knew the construction stuff, but the guys had already kind of done that, and they were kind of taking care of that. They like
0: tim Taylor it. They were like, get out of the way, hur, hur. you know, that, that yeah, of it was thing, kind of thing, right? Yeah, it
1: was kind of like, okay, you know, it's a guy thing, and I'm, you know – and it was very interesting. After a couple of those work parties, we started the women. There was all this little kind of nastiness that was starting to erupt among the women. And I've said, you know what? Any more work parties we do, we have to have meaningful work for everybody. It can't be, a, you know, if it's going to be just the guys and they all absolutely. So it was very interesting. Some of the it was just the some of the side conversations and gossip and stuff. I realized it was just because the women wanted to work too. So we, you know, now we plan it with the everybody coming has some sort of function another thing and even when and this is what we're starting to implement in this community here and and it's going to be an, an experiment for us here although i've seen it done at um, the homestead heritage folks that have a big communal uh, area outside of waco and the thing about growing your own food everybody needs to have their own vegetable garden hands down there's no doubt about it and, and your chickens and all your basic stuff but calorie crops are best actually grown communally they and they and you need to grow a lot of them in a large space and they need a lot of labor for a short period of time so they're really ideally suited to being grown in a community um, you know sweet potatoes or or corn or uh, potatoes you know some whatever your major calorie crops are going to be for that area and you need you need a, a a huge bunch of hands to get the whole soil prepared and everything ready and uh, then you need a whole bunch of hands to do the planting, and then later on you want to come back and you need a bunch of hands to just hit it and do all the weeding, um, and and then later when it's time to harvest, you you need a bunch of hands to come do the harvesting and then processing. So it, and it's an ideal setup for a community, and that's actually something we're looking at, at doing in this community this spring. We're gonna we're gonna grow a big corn patch, and try it out with um, four or five families. are looking at, at getting in together on that.
0: That's actually an awesome idea. I mean, I, I love that idea, and uh, I think you could probably, if you, you don't do it right, put everybody together after the harvest, uh, uh manually sowing a cover crop uh, as well.
1: Very much so. You know, so there would be, and you know, um, there's quite a few people in our community that don't have a huge amount of land, and then there's a bunch of us that do, and so this is, you know, um, it's, you know, somebody has the land, somebody's got the seed. You know, we all work it out. Um, but it, you know, and it, it also makes it accessible for, you know, we we really there's really some wonderful people that just economically aren't in the same league, but they they're just as valuable and important. And and this is a way for all of us to make sure we're getting the calories we need. And it's just a lot of fun, you know. The kids are running around and, you know, shooting water guns at us and, you know, whatever, you know. It's and then of course everybody's bringing a plate of food and there's you know going to be a potluck and a party afterwards. And it, it's 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 just like what you really always had dreamed about. I think so. We're and everybody's doing meaningful work. They're doing what work they can. Um, we'd done other things similar to this. Like one time we lucked into a whole trailer full of tomatoes. Believe it or not, this farmer called me up. So I got a whole trailer full of organic tomatoes. If you can use them today, I'll bring them over. And I'm like, oh my God, you know.
0: <laughs> what do I do with a truck full of tomatoes? But yes, bring. Yeah, well, you know. You know.
1: In about, in about 15 minutes, I had two other families and uh, this one family who has, um, you know, the dishwasher and we all managed to get jars together and, and somebody else who knew how to can and we were all over there and we canned up, I don't know how many cases of tomatoes, we canned up and everybody ate off of that for, for a couple of years. Um, and and that was wonderful to have that network of, hey, you know, here's a, like a free resources being given to us. Because
0: you couldn't have done it by yourself. There's no way you could have handled that volume alone.
1: No way, and, and and quite frankly, a lot of that work is just a lot more fun with other people. If you're telling jokes and laughing or singing together and, and doing stuff, it's a lot more fun because, you know, let, let's face it, a lot of this work is pretty tedious. <laughs> Canning is not, you know, it's just not the, the fun, or, or planting or weeding or harvesting, you know, those are not really that fun if you get down to it, if you're doing it by yourself, but personally, I find it a lot more fun and exciting when, when there's a couple of other people around doing it. So that's you know one of the other levels that you can take this to. And it, it, it doesn't necessarily need to take that long, but you do want to be careful. You know, I mean, you don't really want to have a whole bunch of people coming to your farm that you don't know and have some, you know, assurance of who they are. So, you, you know, it, that's not something to do right away. You know, start out with the community center and doing some events there to build community. Some other aspects of where community might be that you aren't um, aware of, are um, the 4-H groups um, and believe it or not the cemetery associations and um, I actually try to hang out at, at, at the cemetery association meetings partly because there's some of the real old timers that show up there and they, they love younger people coming because they need help cleaning the graves in usually in the springtime and they, they, they can't bend over as well and that sort of thing but you can hear some amazing stories about your community about who lived here and what it was like i couldn't believe in this community you know some of the things they did back in the 20s or 30s and you know how you know what land back then was considered the prime land and most expensive versus now and um, some of them even had photographs and you're like oh my gosh that was totally forested or that was a pasture and this is now forested and uh or or talking about different people who had been there and why that road is named that that so and so and he lived here and he shot his wife or whatever, you know, all the different stuff that goes on. But um, getting getting to know some of the history of your area, and that's by you attending some of these other groups that are there. So the Tem- Cemetery Association, um, the 4-H clubs, if there's one available, um, the Volunteer Fire Department, um, you know, if that's something you're called to, but those people are definitely in service. Um, and, you know, if there's any way you can support them, they often have, um, you know fundraising events which are fun to attend to and you'll get to get to meet other people in the community. Um, uh, we have a wildlife management association that works with the state to try and help uh, keep the deer populations in balance and they have fundraisers and informative things on occasion and those are great events to come to so and of course, if you do have a, a religious denomination that that is being served in your area that of course is a whole nother Area of community and relationship to 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 dip into, so there's there's also a lot of other things. The point I'm bringing up, there's just a lot of other clubs and associations right there that are available for you to start uh, networking and, and finding like-minded people. Um, it's Funny, I often look for the guys with the long hair and a ponytail, and I know that guy's going to know something about growing food.
0: <laughs> you, you're not kidding. They, they will. They always will. Or or the guy like me with the big beard. You know, you're like, okay, he's He's—he's—you know—he might have a gun, but he's probably chewing granola too, you know. <laughs> yeah, another
1: another thing is—is um—and—and and it, we found a lot of value in having um, women's groups, and—and there's a men—a lot of the men also are in, involved in the men's group. There's a men's group called Mankind or something like that that a lot of them participate in. But the women, we—we we sometimes find we just like to gather and um a lot comes out of that and 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 a lot of times we're just talking about what's going on in our lives and things that have happened that are wonderful and then disasters but a lot of times like uh, different uh, ceremonies or rituals get planned uh, um, we just had a really fabulous solstice ceremony and uh, just honoring that that was the shortest day of the year and it's usually a time to go inward and reflect and they had a beautiful little ceremony with a fire and um, it was just just wonderful, you know. We all gathered to do that at at, at a local farm, and um, it, and that came out of the the women's group just saying, hey, we'd we'd like to see more celebrations of the natural cycles, and and bringing that in. So um, yeah, that's anyway another. Little, no, I think
0: little you, I think you're on to something there too, and I think it's another. Yeah, you, know, you talked in the beginning about how we've lost touch with a lot of the generational interaction The you know, it used to be the granddad lived at home and we, you know, he took care of him and he helped raise the kids when they were little and, and and things like that. And that wisdom was then kept in the family. But another thing that society is missing today, if you get past the, the, the the teens and the 20 somethings when everybody's running around in bars, I think is um, kind of a fraternal and a sorority organizational structure where, there's a time to bring everybody together, but there is a certain thing to be said for male bonding and talking about manly things and the same thing for females. And that's something that if you can add, you know, not, not to the exclusion of other things, but add that to your community, there's, there's a brotherhood and a sisterhood that gets developed there that is unique. And I mean, we can try to be as liberated in mentality as we want. There's differences between the sexes and men are more likely to want to talk about, you know, fish bait, and, and, and women are more likely to want to talk about uh, canning. Not that I don't can, or you probably wouldn't go fishing, but you know what I mean, and I think that we're getting to a point where a lot of married people, anyway, no longer have those those relationships, and I think we're losing something with that.
1: I, I think so, too. We've, we've really enjoyed a lot by separating on occasion, and I know that in a lot of native societies that... that, that that was that was a part of it. I, you know, there was the Bear Clan of women, and and you either entered that or not. Or you know, there were different different um, societies or groups for for men or women to to belong to.
0: And, and, you know, some people think of that as exclusionary, but I can tell you for a fact, I know from from interacting with some Native peoples that still practice kind of those older traditions, there are times when the women get together and if a man man came around, they would be just as quick to tell him to get the hell out of there as the men would tell a woman, hey, this is man time. And there's an exclusionary principle there, but for a time and for a purpose.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and so, anyway, that's a it's it's an element, you know, and it's a possibility for us. We found a, we found a, a lot of value in it. And if it you know it doesn't work in your area, it doesn't work. You know, try to go with one another. Another thing that we've done on occasion, and this is a little bit more ad hoc, uh, is um is we go play paintball together. And this is uh, touching on that the other real value of community is security. Um, and of course, all of us look at the scenario. Uh, if we're preparing, we certainly are thinking about some time when law and order breaks down and then and then we're going to be responsible for ourselves and you know there have been some loose conversations of you know wh- how you know what roads would we block or how you know would could you put a sniper there or what or there's some things that we absolutely feel we've got to protect or how you know how would we go with that and then and 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 playing paintball together is just kind of a fun thing and it, really i wish we were doing more tactical stuff we aren't at this point in time but getting out there and playing around and shooting and trying different things and you know it, it's a lot of fun and it's it's uh it's it's bringing in at the community level that aspect of 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 why you're together as a community again also um and i remember you talking about this on one of your shows before of meeting your neighbors for the first time and you were shooting off the back porch and they were like cool you know um we go shooting again. that's when i
0: knew i bought the right place you know when the guy came up i was like oh man there's there's only two ways for this conversation to go and i really hope it goes the right way because i know i can legally shoot here and i'm not going to stop doing it he's like hey man i should bring down my weather bee and we can i'm like oh hell yeah bring it on down and, and it's great <laughs> to have that you know
1: yeah you know, I, I mean, I know out here, and, you know, it's rural Texas, there's 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 gunshots going all the time, but a lot more probably worse than some of your worst neighborhoods in a dense urban area. But, um, you know, learning from other neighbors about what they shoot and why, I, like, I, you know, I was never really a gun person at all. And then when I started to realize that um, that was going to have to be a part of my life, I need to figure it out. It was amazing. I just asked a couple of my neighbors. I said, you know, I'm thinking about getting a gun. And they took me out to the back, and they had, I mean, I've gotten to shoot all kinds of everything because they had this. You try this or try that, or, you know, let me recommend you a 45. that thing I was scared to death of. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> give me 12-gauge shotgun loaded with double-odd buckshot, and I wouldn't touch a 12-gauge for about another year after that. But there was all these different kinds of of weapons to try and recommendations and it was just astonishing when
0: but instead of like oh of no not a gun you had people falling over themselves let me show you mine and there is something and america is about the only place left in the world where that could happen and you know what makes me think of is is the difference in communities well i grew up like that and you know, i grew up in rural pennsylvania and you hear a shot go off in the middle of the night and be like "Hell, great uncle pete shot a raccoon in the garbage can i mean you just know what by where it came from who did it and what it probably was based on the time of day and then when I got stationed in Panama, we'd be out in the middle of Panama City, you know, like teenage guys sent overseas do, and we'd hear a gunshot go off a couple blocks over, and everybody'd be freaking out. And I'm like, what's the, what's the problem? And, and it took me a couple months to kind of acclimate to, hey, that actually is a threat, because I was so accustomed to it. I didn't, you know, I wasn't thinking, hey, you know, that's not a guy shooting a raccoon in a garbage can. That's somebody getting held up over there, or, you know, that's some kind of the, this stuff right after Just Cause going on. And uh, it's it's an amazing the difference and the culture shock. And I think a lot of people that are going to make the move like you did, um, but doesn't have my childhood, you need to listen to the stuff Marjorie's telling you today. Because the one thing you don't want to do is move out to a place like that and not fit into the community. You know, and I mean, one piece of advice I'll give everybody. If you have a road and people drive by your house and you see somebody out in the country, Wave. Wave every okay. single person every single time because I can tell you what if you don't wave they're probably gonna think you're an axe murderer and if you do wave you could probably be an axe murderer and they'd be like oh he's a nice guy he waves all the time I mean there is a certain amount of like we you gotta have to what I'm saying you have to break the cocoon of suburbia and in the urban environment you have to break that um, people in the country are always nice from what I found at least there's always a jerk somewhere but most of them are nice. But they tend, if you're new, not to be nice first. You have to make the effort. You have to put yourself out there a little bit. Uh, you have to be, you have to be obviously, maybe a little over obviously receptive uh, at times, and, and definitely wave. You got to wave.
1: <laughs> that's, I, that's a great tip, Jack. I love that. Yeah, and one other thing we did that was just fabulous was um, a friend of mine um, knew how to structure a what he called a bartering circle and uh, it's pretty simple you can probably just get it off the internet on how to do it but it, we brought a bunch of people together in the community and we said we're going to have a bartering circle and everybody just brought what they had you know and so you had some dozen eggs showing up and some vegetables and some chickens and but it was amazing the skills and things that people said you know one guy brought a card and he said I'll you know 2 hours with my front-end loader, I'm willing to barter for whatever, and, um, you know, uh, another guy was, um, you know, he had massage, you know, I've got, I got to give you a free, you know, a barter for a massage, or um, it was really fascinating that, um, you know, somebody goes, well, I'm a carpenter, you know, and I've got these carpentry skills, or just some really interesting and unusual, the things that people brought, and people that I had known for a few years, the things that came up in the bartering circle were, I didn't know you could do that, it was pretty incredible, so that was um you know of course, uh as your community as you start developing more and it doesn't take a lot, it really doesn't i mean really, for me, there's about you know four or five key families that tend we tend to keep encouraging each other and circling around each other over and over again and and working with each other, and that's not to say we don't go off and do other things, but it it really doesn't take a lot i mean really, you just find a couple of other um you know like minded families. And and consistently doing things and trying to repeat those you know having a, a frequency of interactions where you're regularly meeting them and part of that's important. Like there are neighbors I know when we tell when we say an event's going to start at seven, then I know we've got to tell these people it's going to start at six thirty. You know I've just oh I
0: have in laws like that. I have I have a sister-in-law and a brother-in-law like that. I've never told them what time anything's going to happen in the last five years. I give them 45 minutes, and, and that gets them here 15 minutes early. And then they're like, oh, no, everybody's late. And I'm like, yeah, you guys are always on time. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. Or, you know, there's some people, like when there was one morning, I my leg got totally sliced open by a piece of um, sheet metal. And, and, you know, we knew who to go call uh to be to watch the kids while Dave was rushing me to the hospital. You know, it you know there's that kind of stuff because we're forty five minutes away from the nearest hospital and, you know, um but we knew you know, we we've had enough experiences with the other people around us we said, Well we need to call, you know, so and so because they we know they're gonna be you know, they'll this is gonna work and they understand the priority here and they're they're capable of this. So, you know,
0: you know, we found that's a great way to make friends too is like up where I'm at in Arkansas. We've got this family that lives on one side of the road and, um, the, the lady's dad and mom had bought the place on the other side of the road. So they were all the way at the top of our hill last people up there and they had all kind of moved there together. And unfortunately, two years ago, the gentleman passed away, the, the father. Um, and so, you know, the mom's there now and dad works all the time and the kids are there and uh, sometimes they all have to leave and then, you know, grandma's there by herself. And what what we had said is if we're ever here and you need anything, you can come down and and, and rely on us. And, And that's probably the biggest interaction we've had with that family is if there's anything your mom needs or when dad, you know, when dad's work cuz we're up there in the middle of the week cuz of my schedule and all. Um if if you guys need anything, let us know. We'll help you. We're not here all the time, but when we are, we will. And because of that, the last time I was up there and we saw them, uh, you know, mom's coming down the road with the two kids and and said, "Hey, you're here again." And all she said, "When are you finally moving here?" Cuz they've been asking us that for 2 years now. And I said, "February." And good god, you would have thought Santa Claus came. She grabs herself on, opens it up, calls her husband, Scott, Scott, the spiritos are moving here in February. I mean, it was like, like, and, and, and you don't get that reception. It's suburbia. I'm sorry. I always say, you know, grow where you're planted and, and be where you're happy. But to me, there's something that just happens differently if you give people enough room to breathe. As soon as you put the houses far enough apart that you can't lean out your window on the side of your house and spit and hit your neighbors, people change. Um It's amazing. And, and, now you've got some great ways to kind of get into that community that you've been bringing up today. Um, what is, like, the biggest rewards that you've you found by doing this?
1: Wow. Gosh, you know, you know, our entertainment and social life as well as our skills have just increased tremendously. You know, I, I learned to butcher from my like, two or three neighbors. You know, one guy was always butchering hogs. I went over there and helped butcher hogs with him, and another one had worked on a – chicken processing farm and he taught me how to do that um, you know how to plant this or what you know what what crops do best here you know it uh, just so much um, gosh it's so rich I mean I can't I can't say what one thing it's it's just been incredible and the friendships um, also um, you know I'm also looking at the future and, and gas going up and more and more we're going to need to you know we aren't just going to be running into town more and more we're going to all be piling into a station wagon and going together you know and you know it's it's become more and more like that you know how can we share stuff and 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 do things more efficiently and more creatively i maybe maybe also i guess a, a sense of security of of knowing i have people i can call on or people that can that i can fall back to um you know if something does go wrong or or if i need help with a big project you know there'll be there's there's people i can call on or um yeah the, i gosh that's a tough one to say because it's been so it's so uh, it permeated our lifestyle as uh, the the folks around us. Um, it It's been incredible and it and it, it's just like a marriage, you know, um, sometimes it's wonderful, and then sometimes you're really grateful for the distance. and that works out. There's rhythms of times when we all want to be together a lot, and then times when we're we're all like right now we're all done socializing with each other. <laughs> Let's not have another let's have not have another event for a while, you know, because we're you know, the holidays everybody's been connected so much and now we're all just wanting some downtime and alone. But the um it uh the just what I've learned from people and the interactions we've had and the deep friendships and, and more and more um you know reliance and interdependence with each other of um you know, getting getting things done and knowing that, that, that that's that's probably gonna increase more in the future and looking forward to that. So it's, it's been an amazing journey, and I, I think um, it's part of what we all want to go back to. That's what, that's what modern, the industrial modern lifestyle, the nuclear family has, has stripped away from us, that, that whole connectivity with our neighbors and with our family um, and with our food source, with everything. So regaining however small an increment of it has been, has been rich, has been very rich indeed.
0: You know, and you bring a great point up, because I always hear people talk about how, well, the reason we lost that is we stopped building towns with main streets in them and all, and, and people don't all live close together. But, you know, where I grew up, everybody lived pretty far apart, if you really want to look at it that way. There are a lot of places you could walk to and see neighbors and all, but we definitely didn't live as in close proximity to each other as we do in suburbia, but yet the relationships were, were there. To me, it was more a choice than where your house is built. Or where your main street is or, you know, how many old men hung out at the barber shop. That's, that's, that's a, an, an offshoot or a byproduct of a choice the community makes to actually be a community. And I think what happened for 50 years is everybody just got kind of busy and myopic. And started working on the, the new American dream, which to me is a pack of lies sold to us. If you work hard till you get the golden watch one day, Uncle Scam will take care of you. And, uh, you know, you, you'll be all right. You can all have, everybody can have more. Um, and, and I think in reality, what we have is a hell of a lot less. Yeah, we do. We have more we crap and more stuff, but we don't have anything compared to what a uh, generation ago uh, America's just had as, as a family and as a neighborhood.
1: Yeah. You know, this, this, uh, this Christmas was really fun for me, and one of the things I totally delighted in was, you know, we got two kids, and Dave, my husband, has a big family, and I have a big family, so they're normally inundated with all kinds of just basically crap. And this year, because the economy is not doing so well and people are kind of cutting back, there was just a lot less. And you know what? We had the best time. You know, instead of focusing on all these toys and wrapping and packaging you couldn't open and all this other stuff, we were actually playing games and telling jokes and playing racquetball and you know going out for walks and 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 hanging out together and and focusing on each other more than the stuff. And and for me, this has been the most fabulous Christmas I've had in a long time. It's just been really delightful. So and 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 it had to do with a lot less stuff. It was it, I really enjoyed it. But yeah, I I think we we all got way distracted for, for a good couple of generations there. And, and I personally want it back. And that's, 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 again, the whole passion of what I've been talking about, of building community. And it, it, it does take you reaching out a little bit and uh, just starting out simply offering some movies or if you know of a good speaker or a workshop or something, um, there's always somebody who's a good organizer. If it's not you, find that person and have them help you do it. It, it doesn't really take a lot, um, and and you'll start to make those connections, and it's a and it's a beautiful thing, and you know the, the people that we met years ago are still the people that we're in relationship to, and um, it's. It's um, and they're they're all right here and so it's it's just a wonderful thing.
0: You know, and I love your approach because I think it'll help a lot of people that, that that have an issue that it took me a long time to understand. I've always been the guy that'll walk up to you, stick my hand out, and say hello, uh, whether it's at a bar or a, a gun range or a, walking down the street and I pass you. Or you know, I was a salesman for for ten years. You you have to be that way, and I was naturally that way. So I I really never got how shy people really are uh how hard it is for some people to to do that because it's like, you know, there's a guy that walks the tightrope, looks at me and goes, what do you mean it's hard? It's easy, you know, and I'll fall off and break my neck. And, and some people feel that way in, in, about opening up the social things, but if you give them a project like, well, you know, find a community center, find a good movie, put out some advertisements, let people show up, and then some people really have like kind of a hard time with rejection. Well, if nobody shows up, they rejected the movie, they didn't reject you. Um, so I think, which people are probably going to show up, especially the more rural, the less things that are going on, the more opportunity there is seen in something like that, um, The people are going to show up, but it gets them past that fear. So that's a kind of an awesome soft entry uh, place there. And I mean, we're kind of wrapping up an hour here now. Would you... You, know, you got any thoughts for the person that does have that hang up? You know, uh, they, they're just a little bit nervous about doing it or a little bit. Maybe they're still concerned with security uh, and things like that. Um, it, it's definitely worth it from everything you're, you're saying. It, excuse me with the throat here with the illness I've been dealing with. But y- do you have any kind of last words of to kind of push them off the fence and say, hey, get out there and make this stuff happen? Because if you don't do it, you know,
1: who's going to? Yeah, you don't because who are you going to call when when you need help? And you really can't. There, this whole idea of self-sufficiency, I don't. I think is a little bit of a myth. You you can't really. It's really really hard to do it all on your own, and and having other people involved. And you don't have to. You know, like I said, you do it in a, in a neutral uh, venue with with a movie or something that's not really about you. Um, you may give out your phone number or maybe an email address if they want to contact you for details, but it's really not, they don't know anything about you and your homestead or anything, and you don't really need to reveal anything like that un- until you start to get comfortable with people. Um, and it's its a really low-impact low way of, of getting connected with other people in the community that you might want to participate. And I can totally understand some of the... Um, some of the events when we first started doing it, I was advertising far and wide just to get any kind of body in the door that I could and, uh, starting to use a little bit of marketing on things. And man, this one time we had like a hundred people show up for this workshop that we were going to do a little speech on, on being, becoming self-sufficient and living off the land. And, and, a, and as a bunch of those people were going in, I was going, oh my god, I really don't want to know most of these people. <laughs> 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 You know, really, it some of them I was like, "Oh my God, did I make a mistake on this?" You know, and then you know we learned to tone it down and not cast our what net so wide. But it was all at the community center. You know, they had my phone number, and that's about it. There was no, you know, they didn't even my name wasn't even on the thing. It was just my first name. You know, so there wasn't any any there wasn't any further way for it to go into any other direction. So it was, it was totally a, a safe and innocuous way to. To, to get out there and, and see what was out there and, and to meet the people that I did want to meet eventually uh, and experiment with it so later on we started having a few things at our farm but even still when we do that we're very careful with, with, with when, how we let out directions and that sort of thing so I'm, I'm very aware of security and I understand that um, but but go for it uh, you really don't have a lot to lose it's, it's really um, you know uh, you, like you were saying it's just a movie if they don't show up fine don't worry about it what have you lost not really much.
0: You Especially know. if all you've invested is a couple bags of chips and stuff for after uh, after shows, festivities, you take them home. And if you use a community center or a library or something, you get in there for free. I mean, you're out an hour watching a movie you would have watched anyway. And I think the reward far outweighs any perceived risk. And you can't live a risk-free life anyway. I mean, if we thought we could live risk-free lives, we wouldn't be preppers.
1: Just Just, just even meeting one other person who's like-minded and um, and and uh, you know has has something going on that 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 is very similar to what you're doing and and possibly sharing with that person and, and you, again the sharing doesn't have to be anything big in the beginning you might just uh, swap some eggs or swap a chicken or you know something like that what you're going to do at the next public time you have a a you know a movie going on or something like that you know you build the relationship slowly you know get to meet them over these repeated events and and talk to them further and you know, really get a sense of are they really on this path or not or Yeah. So, um, you know, and we've got the time to do that now. It's, it's, it's I guess, it builds on it.
0: It builds on itself too, because if somebody shows up and they have a good time, if they and if they happen to have a friend that they already kind of have this relationship with, they're likely to bring them to the next one. So, viral marketing is not as new as we're told it is. It's, it's been around an awful long time. Um, I do think we're about to wrap up here. There, you got any final things you want to get in there, uh, Marjorie, before we uh, finish up here today?
1: Oh no! I'm 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 just glad to have been able to get this out there. I know a lot of people are out there and trying to 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 meet up with other people, and and it's a real important thing. And the benefits are are just incredible when you do find other people. Don't don't expect that person to be exactly like you, but if there's enough of a match that's close, and you find it useful, then that's great. Um, yeah, and uh, you know I wish wish everybody good luck in what they're doing. I I'm very concerned that we're we're getting pretty close economically. Things are looking real unstable. So you know, just want to wish everybody the best of luck out there
0: well, great, and thank you for being on today with us and folks. with that, we will wrap up and uh I do want to point out you, you heard a lot of wisdom today, and uh I tell you what um uh, marjorie was was a sponsor of the show for a year, and uh, a lot of the wisdom that she's learned in this collective community is included. Uh, in her DVD, uh, uh, available at BackyardFoodProduction.com, uh, not really the building the community, but the results of that, how to plant, how to feed yourself, how to be self-sufficient, how to be self-reliant, and then if you take those lessons and, and, and add them to your community, and you know, we have to look at it this way, folks, one day if things go really wrong, uh, no matter how wrong they go, eventually we're going to want to put them back together and there's going to be a tremendous value based on what your value to the community is and the, the time to establish that value the time to establish those relationships is not when you need them but before you need them by choice um, the best relationships are relationships of choice not uh, of force uh, forceful relationships make me think of the government and taxes and all the things that go with them where chosen relationships make me think about some of the best times of my life so with those thoughts take the things that Marjorie Told you today. Set them some things up. Get it going on. You might feel like you're just one person, but there's twenty thousand of you that tune in to listen to this show every day. If all of us just do a little bit, imagine the impact we can have. And with that, this is the Jack Spirko today with Marjorie Wildcraft, helping you figure out how to live that better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't. We forget we are
1: what we eat I don't know the answer It's like there's nothing I could do It's the price we pay, I guess and we follow all the rules There's a better